1: Thanks so much for tuning into episode 90. I'm not sure where Michael's going to put that discussion about uh, Notion and Airtable. If you're using either one of these, I'd be interested to hear how you're using them, by the way. But we've got a lot of good stuff for you here today. We've got some packages. We have some releases. We have some general news from the Laravel community. And we are going to share all of it with you right here today. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so before the show started, we talked about this very first one. So let's start with packages. Let's go, let's dive right into it. We're talking about on the fly hash IDs with the eloquent hash IDs package. So let me introduce this real quick, kind of talk about what it is, and then we can discuss kind of the merits of it, right? Mm-hmm. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So first of
0: all, what are hash IDs?
1: Michael, give me your very plain Aussie English version of what hash IDs yeah. are. Yeah.
0: Hash IDs are essentially a way for you to be able to obfuscate your auto-incrementing IDs without going to the extreme of using UIDs. So where you don't want to reveal the IDs of your underlying models in your query parameters and your URLs, or if you want to hide the number of customers you've got and things like that, a hash ID is essentially a computation that you can perform on a number. So you give it the number one or the number 10 and it will return you a reversible hash uh, or sorry a reversible string, which is you know encrypted, takes the number one and makes sure that number one will always return the string ABC one, two three. and then you can always reverse that. So if you give it ABC one, two three, then it will re- reverse that and give you back the number one that mm-hmm. I'm looking for.
1: Six characters really is six times, let's see, There's number. there are 26 letters in the alphabet. There are 10 numerals, so that's 36. So it's 30, uh, 36 times 36, what? So it's, yeah, 36 it's a big times number. 36 times 36. Yeah, it's billions, I think. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Sorry, I'm going to do it real quick times 36. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three, four. Yeah. So you've got 2 billion combinations. If you just use, if you just use, that's just lowercase alpha numeric, right? If you use case insensitive or, or like case sensitive uppercase and lowercase instead of 36, you now have another 26 on top of that, right? It gets, it gets big quick. So that's kind of the idea behind hash IDs. So they're really nice to work with again, kind of like obfuscate your IDs for your models, which is wonderful. And so a lot of times the way that you do this is you will store these values in your database. But this Eloquent Hash IDs package makes it so that you can do this really easy, the fly. So it adds Hash IDs to Laravel Eloquent models by encoding or decoding them on the fly rather than persisting them in the database. So you don't need another database column. It says, and you also have higher performance by using primary keys in your queries. So instead of using your Hash IDs, you're using your actual primary keys. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is, it provides you a, Simple to use interface here, really nice uh, API. You just use these two traits, uh, has hash ID and then hash ID routing. And then it will go ahead and do a lot of that for you in the background without you having to uh, do much of that. So it gives the code examples for you at the bottom. And I think the question that we had before was, why would you not store them? Mm -hmm. Um, Or you said to me, well, why would you store them in the first place? Yeah, Right? And for me, I think the answer is I want to be able to look up a database record based solely on the hash ID. Like I don't want to have to involve the application to get that. So like if I have a hash ID that somebody sends me in an email and says, hey, I got this link. I'm not sure exactly what's happening. I want to be able to go grab that hash ID off there and go look it up in my database Mm -hmm. table. If you don't store them on the database, you have to get the program, the application itself, involved in order to be able to look that up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly okay. right. Okay. Yeah. So, in in your case, have you used hash IDs a whole lot in the past? Yeah. I think typically. Yeah, I've
0: got one or two applications out there that, that do use it, and like I get your point that for a developer ergonomics point of view, you would store the hash IDs so yeah, that sure. if someone says sends you a link, then you can go and find it. Right. Right. I I guess. My argument: This is the same kind of thing as storing UUIDs as binary in in the database, as opposed to storing the string. Are you, yes, it's, it's, that's a good It's point. about it's more about preferring efficiency in the database, right? As opposed to yeah, being able because if because then you wouldn't store both. You wouldn't store it as binary and then as the string representation. You would just store it as binary in the UUID case, and the, right. and, and likewise with the ids That means that you're not storing the ID and the reversible string the encrypted string because the only reason you're storing the string in the database really is is so that you can look it up. And that's because you don't want to fire right, up Tinker yeah. and you know find out what totally. the ID is and things like that. So I mean it comes down to how often you're actually doing it. If you're only doing it once every week or once every month, then no, don't don't store the, the hash ID string in the database because it kind of defeats the purpose of of using this reversible encrypted value anyway. So right it's up it's up to you per application yeah
1: for me it's like sql pro or table processor like table plus are like the og nova right (laughs) i mean like don't get me wrong i absolutely love nova i use it on almost every project but Uh, there, there are a lot of things I use Nova for, and there are other things I use the database for. Like I'll just jump into SQL Pro and go grab some stuff, or you know, whatever. Mm. So I use, I'm in the database all the time through SQL Pro or Table Plus, Table Plus running queries and stuff. So, yeah, for me, it totally makes sense to store it in there, and I think it's just like a comfort thing for me. Mm-hmm. It's a safety blanket, right? <laughs> Interesting. I've never really stored UUIDs as binary before, but that is, That's a totally. That's a great comparison. Yeah. So there you have it there's there's on the fly hash ids with the eloquent hash ids package and you know i don't even think we talked about the author or anything so it's muhammad ali tavasoli so he is the one who created this i think so much muhammad yeah okay what else we got here we got laravel web tinker why don't you tell us about that
0: laravel web tinker is a package from Spatie for running the laravel tinker uh read the the repl so the read eval print loop environment in your browser so Many of us would be familiar with Tinker. We'd probably use it in our applications a lot in terms of, um, you know, going in and, and querying models and running once-off queries and things like that. The Tinkermind is obviously a great way to tinker with your application in the terminal. The package that, that we're talking about here from Spacy, the Web Tinker package, basically gives you a way to route to your application from the URL uh, from the browser. Now, it's it's a little Dodgy. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't be deploying right. this to production in like Ever. even if yeah. you think you're gonna put it behind auth, I, I wouldn't want to run the risk of no. being able to access Tinker and essentially do anything in your application from the browser like that. But for, for development, if you're already in the browser testing stuff, then yeah, go for it. I, I would wouldn't see any issues with it. I, I don't really use it myself. I'm usually in the terminal anyway, so flicking over to a Tinker terminal You know, easy enough when you're already in there anyway. But if wanting to use Tinker in the browser is something that you're interested in, then definitely check this package out. We'll have the link in the show notes.
1: Yeah. One of the, uh, and they do warn against saying, like, hey, do not put this in production. Never, never, never put this in production. But one of the main things that they mentioned here as a benefit was the ability to run multi line commands so you ever have that in tinker where you're trying to like do yeah um hey i have to like go grab you know this record this model yeah. and then i have to go do this and then i have to do this and you have to each enter each one as like a single line yeah well with this you can kind of enter almost like a little script right and then run it all at mm-hmm. once and then will that'll handle that so uh that's interesting but yeah if that's something you're interested in definitely check that out mm-hmm. thanks Spassi. yeah and don't forget to send a postcard yes do not forget to send a postcard. do not forget there's there is a special list at the North Pole called the Naughty List for all of you who ever use Spassi stuff that don't send a postcard. Yep. I am on that list. I am definitely on that list. So. I was going
0: to bring a whole bunch yes. of them with me to New York to give to Freik, but I forgot. So. Save on postage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: My bad. My bad. Okay. So the next thing we have is this Level Custom Casts package. This is super cool, by the way. So... You've probably used this before in your models where you have a protected casts attribute property and then you set key value, key value, key value, key value, right? So like for example, you would say something like I want payload to be cast to a object or I want payload to be cast to JSON or payload to cast to array or something like that. Or you can even do they have this special thing that they've done now. I think it's you put in date and then colon and then the actual format yeah. that you want to do when you cast it, right? Mm-hmm. So if you say, hey, I actually have birth date, but I always want to display that in month, day, year. Yeah. Uh, you can say birthday arrow date colon MDY or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Big M, little d, comma, big Y. Oh, my word. Isn't that sad? I hate having to remember all those things. It's so annoying, but we do. We do. Okay. But this, this is really neat because it basically gives you the ability to take any column and cast it to a custom object. So you can do exactly that, right? So it works similarly to Laravel attribute casting, but with our custom logic defined in a separate class besides casting to our complex types, this package gives us the ability to listen and react to underlying model events. So it shows you really simply again, uh, just a trait. You just add a trait called has custom casts, and then you add your, uh, special little class that you're going to do. Now this custom class that you're going to cast to must extend a custom cast base. Uh, and then what you have is you have a set attribute and a cast attribute. And then, uh, in this case it says, get title so this is just a protected function that's on here right so there's some additional instructions in here i think you get the idea without me going into too much of the code heaviness yeah. of it the ability to take a column and cast it to a uh, cast it to a custom class pretty neat uh and this one comes from vladimir kovic kovic nice something something like that vladimir yeah, so it looks really good. Uh, I'm definitely going to be giving this one
0: a try. Thanks very much, Vladimir. looks awesome. Yeah. Next up, we've got the Laravel Hateos package by Gunther Debrauer, which exposes the authorization logic of your REST API using Hateos links. For those of you that uh, that aren't familiar with Hateos, it basically allows you to expose the authorization logic of your REST API. And this package will make it easy for you to add those links to your API resources. The package defines an artisan command for creating a new Hadeos class, which contains methods that will generate links in your JSON responses. So it gives you a self-link, a delete link, and so on and so forth. And then in your Laravel resource class, you can include the links using the package's hasLinks trait. And that will give you another key. So you put in an underscore links key and just return this links. And that will then put in all of the um, the self link, so the link back to that resource and the delete link. And if you want to add um, an edit like a patch or a or whatever to, to update that thing as well. If you're not familiar with Hadios, it basically stands for Hypermedia as the engine of application state, which you can get a, a pretty good overview of from the the Wikipedia entry, which we'll include in the show notes. But you can learn more about this package and get the full installation the instructions. Check the source code out on GitHub. We'll have the link in the show notes. Thanks again to Gunther de Brouwer.
1: Yeah, I've never had to set this up, but just from hearing a short description of it, I can tell it's one of those things that's really kind of a large pain to do.
0: It's more repetition than anything else. It's just having to put all yeah, of that stuff sure. in over and over and over again. So, Especially if you've got a lot of resources in your application. So being able to do it in a in an automated way is nice. I think I saw Freik actually the other day say they're putting together a similar package, um, not for Hadeos, but to put... All of the, authorisa- uh, the authorization-based links, like creating and viewing, and adding and editing stuff for for Inutia.js, and to basically automatically fill those fields and and return them with your resources to your your front end, so to your JSON or to your JavaScript. Yeah. That'd be pretty
1: handy. And I think the thing, you know, the thing is like you could still, you would still be protected on the server side. Correct. Yeah. Um, but it's always that thing where like... It will only show you the links that you're authorized for. Yeah, exactly. You're right. It's nice for the client side to know so that you can only show the items that, that you're actually authorized for. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So Nova does this, right? Nova does this for you already where... Yeah. You have like, if you have a policy for a model and the person who's viewing it doesn't have edit ability, right? The little pencil icon does not show up yeah. on that records row in in Nova, which I remember when they first showed that on stage. I was like, no way. No way. <laughs> and then it, it happened. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Because that's like a big pain, right? This is, It's just, it is. It's a big pain. Yeah. So it's one of those things that... Nova halls for you, but it looks like that Frank and those guys are going to be working on too. Yep. So uh, I know TJ Miller too said that he's a, he's had to do this a couple times and he was like, I'm super glad to see somebody else has built a package yeah. to do this, it's which he, was, like common uh, he approach. said he would use. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, so there's that. The next thing we had is Laravel Scout, array driver for testing. So Laravel Scout was introduced. Let's see. I know it was in Louisville. But Laravel Scout is essentially, uh, the uh, it's, it's a really Good search engine, right for your for your resources. So it's a full text search. It's usually powered by, or at least when it was very first out, it was powered by uh, Algolia, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's still sort of like first class, yeah. you know, support for Algolia. You can also use Elasticache and uh, Elasticsearch or something yeah. like that, yeah, for for other drivers, but. Now, there's a new array driver. So this package adds an array driver to Laravel Scout, which provides custom PHP unit assertions to make testing search-related functionality easier. This is really handy. Very cool. Uh, So the package package ships with a search facade, uh, which provides convenience methods that make asserting search easier. So, again, I've learned this mistake multiple times before. Please don't read code on air. I'm not going to. But... It has a bunch of methods you should check out which are in the readme. Uh, one of them that kind of stands out is the fake record methods. So this method allows you to fake the search index record of the model. So you can say, hey, go ahead. When you search fake record, whatever, this is the value you should, you should return. So when you call user search, where ID equals one, two, three, whatever, it will mm-hmm. return uh, that particular row, right? So it makes testing this stuff a whole lot easier. And we certainly all love that. So that came from... Stebus Stibus? S T I E B A S on Twitter, looks like. S T I three B A S. Let me see if there's an actual name on this one. lorianus lorianus from Lithuania. From Lithuania. Sorry. L A U R Y N A S. Yeah. lorianus Is that how you say that?
0: Yep. Lorinus. Oh. <laughs> that's a that's a curveball even for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I've still got this cough.
1: How many weeks has this been? It's been like it a been month. Forever.
0: And seriously, that's the worst part that's of having a me. cold is just that lingering cough that's always there. Oh and my it, gosh. It feels like it's there forever and then it becomes part of your being. And then one day it just goes yep. away. And then you and it's then you're impossible like, to get ah. rid of. And then you don't even remember how long yeah, you had you, it for. So Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's totally true.
1: Uh anyway. So Laravel Scout Array
0: Driver for testing. There you go. All righty. What's up next? Laravel cashier Molly V1 is now available. So you might remember that we spoke a while ago. We had him on the show, Sander Van Hoof, talking about cashier for Molly and why this is a, an important inclusion for folks primarily in the EU around a lot of the, the, the specifics for payments in the EU around the ability of being able to do bank transfers and things like that because credit cards are not as common over there. So... We wrote and spoke about subscription billing with Cashier for Molly a while back during the very early stages of development, but uh, as of the 3rd of September, so a li- little over a week ago, Laravel Cashier for Molly has officially released their version 1.0. It's a first-party Laravel Cashier package that's created and maintained by Sander Van Hooft and provides an expressive, fluent interface to subscriptions using Molly's billing services. The package, as I said, is a massive win for those working with European customers, Obviously, you can learn more about the package, get the installation instructions and check out the source code on GitHub, which we will link to in the show notes. Um, but it's really simple to get up and running. All of the methods are very familiar if you've if, if you've ever used Cashier uh, in the past. So congratulations to Sander and also to Laravel team for getting this out and into the world.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's a ton of work, huh? yeah so yeah, big shout out to those guys for...
0: Billing is one thing that I don't envy anyone having to work with yeah it's a it's a nightmare. yeah, it's a nightmare.
1: So yeah, this is a lot of work made available for free, so hopefully it brings a lot of joy and happiness to a lot of developers. I'm sure it will. yeah, okay. We've got Laravel releases now we're going to jump into. So we are on 5.8.33. There's some really, really good stuff in here. Uh, Before we even get to 6, we are on 5.8.33 and some awesome stuff in here. So first up is this new past validation that will fire after validation is passed. So form requests are a concept that are used a lot of time to handle all the validation for a particular form request coming in. Uh, so in your controller, for example, the first thing that you typically type in in the method there is the request. So you say request and then you say request, right? Dollar sign request. Well, what you can do is you can replace that request with a custom form uh, request, like which you might name something like store new user request, right? And then what you can do is instead of having your validation in line in your controller method there, you have a rules method in the form request that you can then set up all your rules in there, Right. You can also do a lot of other work in there. And this is one of those things that you can do in there, right? So once validation has passed, you now have this past validation method that you can use. And you can use this to apply filters to data. It it basically allows you to do anything you want post-validation before it goes to your controller, Mm -hmm. right? So the example they have here is, you know, if the name is, I don't know, they have, if they say basically just this replace name equals Adam. Mm-hmm. So when you're in a form request, this is actually just referring to the request itself. So you just say the request replace, and then you can modify the request
0: however you'd like. This is super cool. So I have a good example for this. Yeah. Yeah. Because hear, I was, I've, I've needed this a million times. Yeah. I was literally, I, I, I wrote a message into the cash money co last night because I'm like, how do I do this again? So if I'd read this article, I would have known about this. Basically, what I want to do is sometimes we we get in some values in a request that we don't necessarily care about. We want to discard them or we want to append something or we want to change the value. Like we might get an ID and we might want to add the, the corresponding name. What I was doing is I needed some way of determining if I had a duplicate submission. So I'm doing a, a competition website for a client at the moment. And what I want to do is essentially fingerprint the the, the entry that comes in. So I take a whole bunch of the fields that were passed in and then I generate a hash of those fields to determine the fingerprint. And then I can basically say, if I receive another submission that has this exact same fingerprint, then I need to reject it as a duplicate. So in order mm. to save that fingerprint, what I was doing currently and what I'm going to change it to now that I've read this is I was basically going in the, in the submission model I was saying, you know, when we're creating, so in my boot method, I had a a creating listener and I basically take all the values and then generate the hash and then add that as another field. So I suppose I can do it in the request here as well, which is, you know, another way of doing it. But but, but basically taking the request and appending to it or replacing values in that request or merging new values into the request once the validation is passed. Because you don't want, to make changes to the request data coming in because that may affect the outcome of the validation. So doing it after the validation has finished, which I guess previously you could have done in the the with validator method, but the past validation probably makes sense because the with validator method is still typically within the context of um, the validation still happening. So the the initial rules have passed. But then you're doing some additional, more complicated stuff that's like, okay, once we do the initial validation that the required fields are there and that, you know, any links out to foreign key tables and things like that, all of that is passed. And then you might do some additional checks. This is now like all of those checks have passed and now we're ready to like manipulate the request and send it on to the next thing in the, in the pipe.
1: Yep. Absolutely. So I feel like people have probably done this before, but that wasn't like a really super clean way to do it. Yeah. right? So now it's like a supported method past mm-hmm. validation. So here's that's that's where you can do that. Yeah. Now. The other thing that was in this release was Dries Vince implemented new types for email validation support. So did you know that the dot com on the end of a email address technically is not like required? Mm hmm. So if you ever put in, and I believe this was kind of, it was like in an RFC, right? It was like, hey, this is how it works. So you could have like Jake at Gmail and like, I think Laravel would say, yep, looks good. Yeah. Totally fine. Yeah. So that has caused problems for some people. And so I think this is maybe a response to that. Well, so it's using this email validator package uh, that's not going to be pulled into the framework, what you're going to yeah. say.
0: I mean, even if you're doing internal validation, like you can have a... Michael at localhost is a perfectly valid email address. If, oh, there if you you're go. only that's sending good, mail within the same example. server and you've got users on the same sure, server. Sure. So this actually bit me recently because technically an email address with a space in it is valid. And sometimes we would have customers that would put like my name space at gmail.com. Now, yeah, whilst the email address isn't doesn't actually exist. Right, sure. my name space at gmail.com is a valid email address is according valid, to the yeah, rfc right. so with this additional validation that we've got here you can actually say that you need to do i think i think dns is the one there's one of the options for the validator package will actually make i don't know if it was the validation package or if it was something else that i was testing because the rfc certainly makes the compliant strict is a little bit different i think the old email validation method which was just a filter var that would actually reject it and when this changed you know we updated a framework we didn't catch it as as part of the uh the upgrade because we just did a composer update and all the tests passed so we, right. we didn't you know we didn't yeah, exactly catch that one it. of those
1: things you're going to test like yeah. if they have put a space in their
0: email yeah. address, and it's one of those things that i said well you know technically it's valid so um there's rfc validation yeah, sure. you can do dns checks you can do a spoof check
1: which does yeah there's There's five of them right now. RFC, strict, DNS, spoof, and filter. Mm. And the documentation has been updated to include the new parameters that are possible. So the way that you do it is you say request validate and then email is the key that we're looking at. And then as the value, you say email, which is normally what you do. You'd say like what? Like required bar email. But now you could say colon and then you can pass in the different types Mm -hmm. of rules that you want it to match. you can say match RFC, comma, match DNS, comma, Mm -hmm. match strict, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it'll pass through all of those sort of those rules, yeah. right? So there's there's new Laravel validation uh, or there's new uh, documentation for these in the Laravel validation documentation yep. for 5.8. Yeah, and the, yeah, and the default now cool.
0: is RFC. So as long as the email address is RFC compliant, it will pass. And this is where we fell over because the the old one, which is the filter, which you can still use if you want to maintain the behavior you had before this update, filter will, will fail the example with a space in it whereas the RFC will allow it to pass. So as you said, there's Got RFC, it. there's strict, there's DNS, there's spoof, and there's filter, which is the pre Laravel 5.8.33 validation method. There you go. Dries also added support for Redis
1: 5.0 in a backwards compatible way, so you can now support version 5.0 starting in this release. Next, insert ignore support was added for MySQL and Postgres. To learn more about that, you can look at pull request 29.639. What it does is the way Ignore works during insert is that if the database runs into errors, it aborts and doesn't insert any rows. With ignore, the database will insert valid rows and ignore invalid data. Mm-hmm. So that's that's interesting. Uh, the last new feature added is the ability to use a custom whoops handler. Hmm, I wonder why that wonder would why. Be. Wonder why. why would that be? Yeah, we might talk about that a little bit later. So you can see the full list of fixes in the change log but that's most of the highlights for you there. Yeah. Very good. Okay, moving on.
0: Yeah, so the new Laravel website is live. A few weeks ago in Taylor's, well, a few weeks ago, it was about a month ago now, I guess, a little bit more than a month ago at Taylor's Laracon US keynote. He announced Laravel 6, the new logo, the new branding, and the new website that was in the works. As of the 20th of August, the website is now live and you can check it out at laravel.com. The new design was created by Focus Lab. And if you know the Laravel history, they actually designed the first ever Laracon website and the monster illustrations that went on the t-shirts, which you've got one of those, Jake. You went to the first one in Washington or was it New York? Uh, I did not go to the first, to the first one. 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 I was at the second one. Okay. So I was, in,
1: I was in the first one that was in New York City, okay. Mr. Washington. Yeah. yeah, Bill Kondo though, yeah. our good friend Bill Kondo, he was there.
0: Yeah. The website itself is open source. So if you do spot any issues with the website, feel free to open a pull request and contribute your fixes to GitHub. So that's, that's for the docs and the website itself. Uh, speaking of websites, we've all been speaking of websites. We've all been in a situation where we've had a great idea for a new website. And we wanted to purchase a domain for that website to make sure that even though we inevitably don't build that website, we've got the domain <laughs> and no one else can take it away from us. So this week sponsoring the, the episode, we have instantdomains.com. It's a new domain name search tool built entirely on the Laravel framework and is an instant domain search tool. And we're talking like milliseconds, instant. It's super fast. It allows you to search over 800 different domain extensions instantly. It has a domain name generator that gives specific results for 55 different industries and niches. The tool works in 32 different language has a clean user-friendly UI, making it quick and easy to find available domains. So it'll give you links to premium domains. If you're serious about your business, you can get a premium domain name. The generator is really cool because you can just start typing in something like programming and then it will return to you. Do you want programmingabout.com? It's a free domain. Programming Ace, well, someone owns that, but you can check out the Whois straight away. You've got literally dozens and dozens, maybe even a hundred results here for different domains that could be available or that are available for you to buy. You can filter this by industry. You can filter it by extension. You can filter it by how Many characters are in the domain, so you can even look for domains that are available. So, let's say we want to register a new company called rackdev.com, where well, you can buy that domain for just two thousand nine hundred and ninety five dollars. Um, there you go. So if you're serious about domains, be sure to check out instantdomains.com. As I said, they're built entirely on the Laravel framework, which I think is a first for domains. So, yeah, thanks very much to Instant Domains for sponsoring Laravel News. Awesome,
1: okay. Next, we have... Yep, you said Laravel 6 is now released, so we're good on that. So the next thing we're talking about No, 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 is no, no, admission. no, 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 no. No, no, no. I said the Laravel website
0: is released. Let's talk about oh, Laravel 6. You go, you go. The Laravel go team, as of September the 3rd, is proud to announce the release of Laravel 6 that is now available for everyone in its official release. So you've been able to pull in the the master for a little while. But this release marks the start of Laravel Framework Taking up semantic versioning. This release also includes mm-hmm. compatibility for Laravel Vapor, which Jake would love to talk to you about soon. It improves authorization responses, adds job middleware, lazy collections, subquery improvements, which we'll talk about a little bit later on as well, among many, many other improvements. Here are just some of the new features. So, Laravel 6 is actually an LTS release, it supersedes the previous LTS release 5.5. And it will receive bug fixes until September 3rd, 2021 and security fixes until September 3rd, 2022. The security fixes for Laravel 5.5 did actually end on the 30th of August. So be sure to upgrade your applications if you are living the LTS trap life. Oh my. The, Laravel rele- the, the Laravel release notes clarify semantic versioning going forward in Laravel 6 and beyond. So previously we had the Paradigm Major Minor Versioning System. We're now following semantic versioning. The package, uh, the, the framework package itself, so that's the Laravel slash framework package, will now follow semantic versioning standard, which makes the framework consistent with other first party Laravel package which already followed the versioning standard. The Laravel release cycle will remain unchanged. So if you go to the github.com slash Laravel slash Laravel repository, which is the, the main application skeleton, that isn't following semantic versioning. It's the underlying framework itself and the components and the first-party packages. Uh, so that basically means if there's any major breaking changes, we'll get a, new, a bump to the first number in the versioning system. If there's any deprecations or additions that are being made in a backwards-compatible, friendly way, they'll go into a minor, which is the second number, and any um, patches and bug fixes will go into the the third number so that's how the incrementing will happen from now on there's also improved authorization responses so previously it was difficult to provide custom error messages around authorization to end users laravel 6 introduces a gate inspect method which provides the authorization policy's response so if you were to inspect a view authorization gate on a flight model if the response is allowed the user is Authorized to view the flight. However, if the response is denied, you are now able to respond with the message itself. And you can check on that and do whatever you need to do based on that. Job middleware is a feature that is contributed by Taylor Otwell, which allows jobs to run through middleware. So if you've got, and we've spoken about this on a previous episode, so we'll just touch on it really lightly here. But essentially, you can provide some middleware to a job class. And then when you dispatch a job, you can say uh, job dispatch through and then an array of the middleware so you can do whatever you need to do before the job actually executes this will help you to avoid custom logic in the body of your job's handle method uh, which actually makes it really clear because i wasn't sure when you might use the middleware but being able to really trim down the handle method in the job to just do the actual job stuff and then all the custom logic you could do beforehand so that's a nice little touch Lazy collections are a real game changer when you're working with extensive collections of data, including eloquent models. So, a new Illuminate support lazy collection class leverages PHP's generator to keep memory low while working with large data sets. Be sure to check out the lazy collections documentation for more. This is really handy if you're going through massive, you know, we're talking thousands, tens of thousands of records. Rather than loading everything into memory all at once, it will go through. You know, line by line, if you're processing a a, um, a text file or a CSV file, it'll go record by record using a a cursor. For example, if you're hitting a database, so definitely check that out. Especially if you're going over huge data sets with your collections. As I said, the docs and further information will be in the show notes. We'll speak more specifically about the eloquent subquery enhancements, but Jonathan Rennick has contributed. Some of these, he's written a separate article about it, which we will link up in the show notes and speak about a bit later on. And of course, be sure to check out Jonathan's excellent talk from Laracon US this year, where he goes into a bit of detail about using subqueries and other techniques as well as his upcoming Eloquent Performance Patterns course. And if you've used Laravel 6 so far, you may have noticed that the front-end presets are no longer included. So you get a, a Laravel application that just has a welcome page. There's no more view there's no more Bootstrap included. It's all in a separate package now in the Laravel UI Composer package, which allows first-party UI scaffolding to be iterated on a separately from the primary framework. So that means that we can make changes to the views separately to Laravel itself. It also means that we can add things uh, like Tailwind components and presets and, yeah. you know, presets for Tailwind and for Bulma and for semantic UI and for whatever else they'll all be able to be done separately rather than having to constantly update the main Laravel skeleton application if you do want the traditional bootstrap view scaffolding that used to come out of the box up until version 6 you just run composer require Laravel slash UI and then php artisan UI view dash dash auth and off you go obviously you can learn more By checking out the show notes, the release notes, the upgrade guide, and the contribution guide will all be linked there for you to check out.
1: Laravel New My App. That's all you need to know, right? Yep. Check it out for Laravel 6. That's all you really gotta do. If you have the installer installed, Laravel New, my app, and there you go. You can check out Laravel Six in all of its glory. It's pretty cool. So, like, you know, this is like a big announcement, like boom, Laravel Six, like here it is. But the thing is it's not going to be Laravel 6 for all that long, yeah. really, well, right? I mean, like, it's going to be Laravel 7 for long. But this kind of marks, like, the big change, right? Yeah. And I think Taylor kind of just wanted to make a statement where he's like, you know, we're looking at 5. We've been on 5 for a while now. And I don't really see things shifting massively away from kind of where we've been, where that's kind of what it's been in the past. Like when you would go from version three to version four, from version four to version five, right? It was like this large, almost paradigm shift of like, okay, this is going to be a big change here, right? And so now he's basically gotten to the point where he's like, I'm really comfortable and happy with the framework. We're going to make the switch. This is kind of the stamp of approval to say, we are really happy with the framework as it is. Laravel 6 is like the new and then it's going to be obviously because we're following semantic versioning. We're going to be going up uh, relatively quickly from here. So it's all great, mm-hmm. love it. Ignition. So ignition is the new error page for Laravel. So as part of Laracon, uh EU 2019, van der Vanderherten and Marcel Posia uh, announced their latest open source package, Ignition. So uh, Marcel said, "This is a long. This is the only package I've worked for nine months full time. I think is what he mm-hmm. said, right?" So this thing has been brewing for quite some time. So it's the ignition is the new default error page for Laravel six. as you recall, whoops was, uh, the big new hotness uh, a while ago. It's still an amazing tool. And actually ignition is built on top of whoops. But uh, what it does is it has some beautiful Laravel-specific features that should make debugging exceptions and stack traces significantly better. Uh, so you might even, they, they go as far as to say, you might even enjoy throwing an exception on purpose <laughs> to see this beautiful new debugging stack for Laravel. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it is pretty sweet. Um, so Frank's got a detailed write-up announcing Ignition. He, he mentions how Ignition can do some interesting framework-specific things and make the stack traces easier to digest, such as it has the functionality to display the uncompiled view path and your blade view so you've probably run into this before where it'll say trying to get property of non-object you're trying to get an email off something right and then you go and it looks and it shows you the compiled view that it created and so now you have to go kind of dig through and figure out which compiled view is that where do i find that you have to go look through your you know it's storage directory mm-hmm. to find mm-hmm. that compiled view and then go determine which it is right okay so because this is made, because this ignition is made specifically for Laravel, they're aware of that issue, and so they solve it for you. So they only display the applications, you know, they, they say like, hey, here's where it actually is. Here's that blade file that this is referencing. Uh, in addition, uh, the, the frames of the exceptions, uh, the application frames of the exceptions, those are the only ones that you're probably interested in. So those are the only ones that they show. So it really cleans up that view that you get so instead of a stack trace of like you know a thousand different yeah items it just says here are the ones you're probably interested in there's a screenshot provided here and it shows multiple tabs with helpful hints about the request the framework the user that's actually experiencing the area the context the debug and then the really neat thing about this is you can actually add on to that, right? So there is the ability to create custom, I don't even know what they're calling them, but they're calling them, plugins?
0: Yeah, plugins.
1: Yeah, for this. So that you can get additional information off this. I know that like Laracast is one of the ones that somebody built. So they said like, hey, this will just automatically determine if there's something out there on Laracast that might be relevant for you. If you're having a hard time solving this one, uh, go over and take a look at Laracast. It will do that for you, right? Mm-hmm. The debug tab has a cool feature of showing queries logs and dumps so when a dump occurs so if you dd uh, ignition displays the file name where the dump statement happened no more searching for the missing dd call in a vendor package how many times has yeah. that happened it's never happened to me in a vendor package it has happened to me plenty of other times <laughs> though yeah so it, the, the the other cool thing that it does is apart from the debug information it tries to go the extra step in making suggestions for common problems that you might experience for example a class or a view path typo uh, it tries to provide suggested solutions. It'll say, hey, you actually didn't run Composer install or Composer update for this yet. It will say, hey, we found a triple left arrow. that looks like you have a bad merge conflict, yeah. right? So there's all sorts of really, really interesting suggestions. And of course, these are community sourced. So if you have one that you'd like to add in, you can PR that to facade slash ignition on GitHub. Thanks so much to this team for creating this. This is going to be incredible. Really excited, and I think that uh, we would maybe be amiss if we did not at least mention that, uh, along with ignition, they also released their own custom error tracking tool called Flare, uh, which is basically a what I, I don't even know how to say it.
0: It, it. Kind of like it's like a Laravel specific it, it error tracking solution. So where you've got things like Sentry and friends of the show Honey Badger that that are, are built as like generic things that can be used for different languages and different frameworks, front-end, back-end. This uh, Flare is basically a Laravel-specific thing. And as you and I have discussed previously on our other podcast, doing Laravel-specific things lets you really niche down and focus on the things that you can offer because you're focusing specific on specifically on that. So one key thing, and it's included in the default Ignition, and it's and it's free. So Flare is a is a paid application or paid SaaS. Right. But one thing you can do right out of the box with Ignition is to share those error pages, and they get essentially pushed up to Flare, and you get a a obfuscated URL, probably using hash IDs. I wonder if they're storing the the hash <laughs> in the database, right? But you can <laughs> I say so yeah. I want to share this um, exception. It'll push it up to Flare. It'll give you a URL, URL and you can decide like what tabs you want to show on it. So you can hide things, you've got an admin link. So once someone's looked at it, you can delete it so it doesn't get found out or whatever. And you can say, hey, I'm having this exception. Can you take a look at it? And rather than taking a screenshot of it or copy pasting or whatever, you can just send whoever you're working with a link to that and it's, and it's ready for them to review and then they can have a look at it. So this would be really good, you know, in the context of Laracast or working with remote developers and things like that. So that's one key thing that I really like about that from a... A collaborative point of view the other thing i don't know we we're talking about Flare, and we'll talk more about that hopefully we can get marcel and Freke on the show at some stage to talk about it specifically yeah um but the other thing if you've got laravel telescope installed this will actually hook into telescope and take you to the request itself so you can see in telescope what it what information it has about the request and and follow along that way as well so those are two i think fairly key things on top of The solutions. Again, because it's a Laravel specific thing, Whoops was really good in terms of like making it easy to find things, but now we can not only really easily find things, but we can also really point out solutions. And there's fixes and the fixes allow you to essentially go, yeah, cool, I forgot to generate my app key. So you click a button right from the Whoops page and it'll generate the app key for you and you just refresh the page and off you go. You can configure it to open your editor so you can say I'm using PHP Storm or Sublime or Vim or whatever and you you can go through the the stack trace and you can click on the little pencil icon. It'll pop the file open in your editor on that line and you can just fix it straight away. So there's a, there's a lot of convenience things in there and a lot of functionality and power that's available because it's focusing specifically on Laravel and fixing problems with Laravel yeah. applications. So it's included by default right, focus- with Laravel six. um, I think it's, it's available all the way back to Laravel five, five, you can install it into your, into your older applications as well. So Definitely check it out. Yeah. great work to to Marcel to Frayk and both of their teams. So it's not just been the two of them. It's been you know all of the, the team at Sparsey and all of the team at Beyond Code that have been working heads down on this, and they they put out a really polished tool. And as you said, Whoops was great. really so nice that- before, but this is um, it's a it's a view layer on top of Whoops. So there was a little bit of misconception I think on Twitter that this was somehow replacing Whoops. This is built on top of Whoops and so you'll find that whoops is still installed in your application ignition won't work without it and it just leans on that to give you a lot of the stuff and then tailors a lot of the bits and pieces specific for for Laravel needs
1: yeah so i think really you know what this is trying to do is it's focusing not on the problem necessarily but like on the solution right so it's not just like throw up in your face and like here it is like deal with it it's like hey very friendly guide to say here are some things you might try uh i think this speaks so much to what our community is all about which is we want to be very approachable right so this is extremely helpful for the experienced developer but it's also very welcoming to the new developer right so this is something that matt talked about at laricon uh, us in new york city he's got this on-ramp uh, idea mm-hmm. right which is basically how do you get new new developers started this is an amazing tool for new developers. Uh, so there are a lot of little things that as, a, as an experienced level developer, you might say, oh yeah, I forgot to run config clear or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. right? You just know because you've ran into the problem enough times and had to debug it yourself that you just know some of the things you always run through in your head. Did I do this? Did I do that? Yeah. Did I run composer update? Did I run uh, dump auto load? You know, what, are the, what are the things that you kind of run through? And so this package really helps to help new developers uh, as they... Try to figure some of these common solutions out to problems that we've all had before. So yeah, yeah, and with the problems. help
0: of us older, older states per, states people, it's only going to get better because the things that we come across that don't have a solution for, you know, we're gonna we're gonna PR the solutions ourselves, and we're gonna improve things for everyone by by adding these extra Absolutely. solutions. So definitely check it out. I think there, there's going to be a lot of work, a lot of functionality added over time. For this and and kudos to the, the team for putting it all together. Yep. Okay. So
1: the next thing that we have, and it's your turn on this one. Yeah. Eloquent subquery enhancements in Laravel Six.
0: Yes. Guest posted by Jonathan Rennick. And if you've followed Jonathan for any period of time, if you've seen him speak at Laracon US this year, if you've seen him tweet, if you saw him speak at Laracon online, you know that he's a big fan of pushing more work in Laravel applications to the database layer. Doing doing more work in the database, we can often reduce the number of queries that we make, reduce the amount of memory that the application uses, and reduce the amount of time required by Eloquent to process our models, which can result in some very significant performance wins. One really good way to push more work to the database is by using subqueries, which allow you to run nested queries within another, another database query. This can be a powerful way to retrieve ancillary model data without making any additional database queries when it's not possible to do it via a relationship. And you can also use subqueries in order by statements, where statements, and other database clauses. Who knew? Yeah. So Jonathan made reference to a couple of query builder macros that he'd been using in his applications to make it easier to use subqueries in Laravel. And he has since submitted three pull requests to the Laravel to have it added to the the core framework. So here's an overview of each of those three. First, we've got the the select subqueries. Then we've got order by subqueries. Then we've got from subqueries. So the select subqueries add support for subqueries to both the select and add select query builder methods. So imagine that you've got a table of flight destinations and a table of flights to destinations. The flights table contains an arrived at column which indicates when the flight arrived at the destination. Using the new subquery select functionality in Laravel 6, you can select all of the destinations and the name of the flight that most recently arrived at that destination using a single query. So eloquent can be used to generate the subquery, which gives you nice expressive syntax, but you can also do it using the query builder with, with these changes. So there's basically a add select, and then essentially you use the add select method, you give it a, an array of key values. And then, you, so the, the key is last flight, for example, and then the value is another query and Laravel and Eloquent and the query builder under the hood will take care of converting that to a subquery for you. In addition, to select subqueries, we've got the order by subqueries, which makes it possible to use subqueries in the query builder's order by method. Continuing on from the previous example with flights and destinations, you can use it to sort the destinations based on when the flight last arrived at that destination. And as with selects, you can do this with a query builder directly to create a subquery. So you can even do that if you wanted to order users based on their last login date, for example. And, and lastly, we've got the from subqueries, which makes it possible to use subqueries with the query builders from method, which are sometimes called derived tables. For example, you may want to calculate the average total donations made by your users in your application. In SQL, it's not possible to nest aggregate functions, for example, to wrap a sum inside an average, but instead you can use a subquery to calculate it. Um, it's probably not something that you're going to do every day, but when you do need it, it is very, very valuable. There is a breaking change to be aware of if you're using Eloquent outside of Laravel. And that's a signature change to the table method in the capsule manager. So nothing to, to worry about too much if you're using it in the context of Laravel, but if you are using Eloquent in separate applications, something to be mindful of. As we said at the top of the of the post well, or of, of this section, if you're interested in learning more about the subqueries and other advanced database queries, make sure you check out Jonathan's blog. And also his Laracon US talk from this year, which we will link up in the show notes, as well as the video course that he's working on called Eloquent Performance Patterns. The goal of that course is to teach Laravel developers how to drastically improve the performance of their Laravel apps by pushing more work to the database layer and still using Eloquent. So be sure to join the mailing list for that if you're interested, which we will link to in the show notes as well. Thanks, Jonathan.
1: Yeah. So like a lot of these situations is where you'll end up with something where you have to select a bunch of records out of the database, and then you have to fall back to like collection methods, yeah. right? At that point, mm-hmm. so you're saying, "Hey, we need all these values," and then I have to, you know, go ahead and grab the averages for me. But then after that, I need to sum all of them, right? So you have to fall back on this collection method, lot, you know, logic that you're doing. What Jonathan showed at his talk is that that's fine, even if you don't have any n plus one queries, whatever, it's not going to be necessarily, you know, we think that if we get rid of all the n plus one queries, we're fine. The problem is you have to load all of these things into memory, hydrate all of these models, and then do that. Yeah. And basically what he's saying here is no longer do you have to do that work in your application or on the processor or in the RAM of your application, you can say, hey, database, you're really smart at figuring out how this works. I want you to do this work for me. And then the database will optimize that query itself. will go do all those selects, all those joins kind of behind the scenes and return you results much faster than your application could and much more efficiently. So when you find yourself in that situation where you're like, I just don't know. I don't know if I can actually make this yeah. happen in the database. I probably can't. And this is probably a situation where you need to go look at Jonathan's course, go buy it when it comes out. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Jonathan's awesome. Okay. There's that. Uh, we've got not a whole lot left here. Let me take a look at our list. Three we've got Laravel LaraCast. So Laracasts. three more things. Laracast has a new series called What's New in Laravel 6 where shockingly they go through what's new in Laravel 6. Uh, we have a quick tutorial about running make auth in Laravel 6. I'm assuming this is also talking about kind of the UI mm-hmm. which we touched on when we talked about Laravel 6 <laughs> which is that you have to install a new package before you can run that. And so no big deal. Uh, Then there is also some talks and photos from Laracon US 2019, which we will link up in the show notes. We had some people, um, Ninja Parade, Yaz, taking photos there. Uh, Bill Kondo, a maverick on Twitter, also has a Laracon 2019 set on Flickr. Uh, Both of these guys are extremely talented photographers, really thankful to have them as a part of the community, and they do a great job every year taking photos. Mm -hmm. In addition, we have a Laracon US 2019 playlist on YouTube, which shows all the most current list of videos that are available. So the talk format was slightly shorter this year, around 20 or 30 minutes each. Uh, So you can rip through a couple of these uh, over your lunch period. So you just kind of click play on the playlist and away you go. I think that's the last three items we have there. Yeah.
0: And uh, not not mentioned, yeah, not mentioned on this Talks and Photos post from Laracon US, but also thanks to Bill Condo. We have some interviews. I don't know that they were with all of the speakers, but I think he got to most of them. Be sure to keep your eyes on the Laravel News podcast RSS feed or in your podcatcher of choice. And you will start to see those filtering out throughout this week. Awesome. Okay. I think that wraps it up. This was episode
1: 90. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, hit us up at Michael michaelderinda at Jake Bennett at Laravel news. You can find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 90. As always, if you do like the show, please feel free to rate it up or share
0: it with your friends. We would really appreciate that. And be sure to check out show sponsor instantdomains.com absolutely thank you instant domains thank you everyone for listening we'll see you in two weeks see y'all. bye